0: Hello and welcome to Hospice Insights, the law and beyond, where we connect you to what matters in the ever-changing world of hospice and palliative care. An unexpected flurry, HIS non-compliance letters have many scratching their heads. In this episode, Meg Bukarski and Jacob Harris unpack what may be behind these notice letters many hospices believe they have erroneously received indicating they have not achieved compliance with the hospice item set reporting requirement. We'll explore how CMS's temporary six-month reporting exemption may have unexpectedly impacted some hospices and the importance of using the appeal process to dispute noncompliance. Please tune in to learn more. Jake, thank you so much for joining on this very hot topic that, that, as the title of the podcast said, a flurry and uh, a true flurry has arisen on our doorstep. And so you've been helping out with a lot of these. So thanks for for taking the time to share some of your wisdom with our audience.
1: It's my pleasure, Meg. Thanks for inviting me to join you.
0: Yes. Yeah. so these letters, I think, and, and we're just starting to delve into all of these letters, but um, first, some people are getting letters from CMS, and their MAC and some are just getting letters from their MAC. They essentially all say the same thing, right? They
1: they do. Um, Tis the season in a sense. Uh, July is around the time uh, every year when uh, hospices who are deemed not to have been in compliance with the HIS reporting requirements for uh, the previous calendar year... Uh, are advised of the 2% payment reduction that will take place with respect to their annual payment update uh, for the following fiscal year. So here in July 21, uh, hospices are receiving letters uh, if they were found to be not in compliance with the reporting requirements during calendar year 2020 and advised that they will receive a 2% payment reduction in fiscal year uh 2022. So that part is fairly typical. What's what's atypical of course um is the number of hospices that are receiving it this year and and that's what this podcast is designed to address.
0: Yeah, so because again uh like you said, most people are not used to getting these letters because in their whole history of reporting they've never had a problem and so so people are getting and again sometimes it's a letter from CMS, actually, and sometimes it is from your Mac, which is confusing to some because obviously the CMS logo is on Mac letters, too. And so I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But all of the notices are giving you information about how you didn't meet this 90% threshold uh, for reporting and that it outlines your appeal, rights. So that's start with how every conversation we have with clients I rep- I reported. This is erroneous. I, you know, I did do all of this. I have this proof. I have reams of paper that shows I submitted all of this stuff. And so, so that's how every conversation um, has has worked with with clients. But let's unpack that a little bit. And what's the the key document that we always look for when people say, "I could send you reams of paper," and we say, "Hold the phone." just send us this one document, which would be the proof that we're looking for about what you submitted.
1: Yeah, so there is a single page report that can be accessed through the CASPER system. And that will show you um, quite simply, uh, it's called the, the CASPER report fiscal year 2022, in this case, hospice timeliness compliance threshold report. Uh, that single-page document will show the number of HIS records that were submitted during calendar year 2020, uh, the number of HIS records that were submitted and accepted within uh, the 30-day time frame, uh, the percent of HIS records that were submitted and accepted within 30 days, um, and then the most important thing for determining whether the hospice will be subject to a payment reduction. Is whether the provider met the ninety percent compliance threshold, a, a simple yes or no? So, in a typical year, that's the single-page document that is kind of most dispositive of how a request for reconsideration or further appeal um, would be resolved. Is were more than 90% of the uh, HIS records submitted and accepted within 30 days such that the timeliness requirement is satisfied.
0: And so I think that's important because some people weren't necessarily familiar with the CASPER system because they may keep their own internal tracking. And so that's an important document. And one of the first things we asked Folks, to pull for us, Um, and and you keep using the word rightfully. So, in normal times, this is what happens. So, um, so I think that's talk about why this wasn't normal times, and that circles back to COVID. And we all know that early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of different waivers and other relief that was given to various provider groups as we people were dealing with the pandemic and so there was many many but one of them uh that's we think might be in play in these issues is there was a exemption where providers hospices didn't have to submit data for a certain six-month period it was the beginning period of it was 2020 right
1: correct um this is what's called, a, as Meg mentioned, an exemption. Um, and the, the in the, again, during typical times, an exemption is something that a provider would request because of circumstances that are affecting the provider. And then CMS could either grant the exemption or deny the exemption. Um, what many hospices may not have become aware of until this year uh, is that CMS can uh, sort of on its own grant an exemption to uh, a hospice or a group of hospices, or in this case, to every hospice. And that's what they've chosen to do under the federal regulation uh, this year in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, is they extended a blanket exemption from the HIS reporting requirements for quarter one and quarter two of 2020, um, which means that hospices were not required to submit any H.I.S. data for quarter one and quarter two of 2020.
0: And this was promoted with much fanfare, like, you know, there was a press release and quotes about, hey, you know, to relieve pressure, we're, you know, exempting you from this requirement. Um, And so I think looking back I mean, people really felt like, hey, this is designed to help me. And so what what appears to be the case, at least for some people, is they actually continued submitting HIS records for those six months, right? Like, I think some people, even though they were exempt, I, I think you could still physically submit this. And so, right, you're a well-oiled machine. You continue to do this. and and whatnot, so you submit those. And so if you're keeping your internal records, you're probably keeping track of all the stuff you're submitting, even though it was during the six month exemption period, right?
1: Correct. Um, there was no uh, barrier to submission of HIS data during quarter one and quarter two. Um, if you tried to submit data during that time frame, the data was accepted. It was not rejected. Uh, it was not met with any kind of an error message that said uh, that, that, that either advised hospices of the exemption or that um, refused to accept the records. So, um, that that that's absolutely right. That that many hospices, particularly if they were unaware of the exemption, would have continued reporting HIS data like they normally do, um, and 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 there would have been no kind of rejection of, of of those submissions.
0: So, and and people that may have been aware of the exemption, it's like sort of a permissive, not a, as you say, mandate, like, you cannot send this, this information in, we will reject it. It seemed, hey, if you need to be relieved of the pressure of doing this, you know, here's some flexibility. But so, so anyway, you know, and we'll have a link to um, the The blog post or or alert that we did when this uh exemption was published uh just so people have that for their records but so so now comes to how things are coming together here at the end of um the year and now we're it's july and they're getting these notices is that even if you submitted that for the first six months you submitted it they didn't count it so you're Whether or not you met the 90% threshold is going to just be based on the last six months. So even if you met it over the full 12-month period of time, it appears that they're only using your last six-month period to calculate it.
1: Exactly. And that's why the exemption really is a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, uh, your submissions or lack thereof from January 1st to June 30th of 2020 is not counting against you. On the other hand, your submissions from January 1st to June 30th are also not counting in your favor. Um, and so the, the practical effect is that the look back period for timeliness compliance has been cut in half. Whereas it, it typically would be a 12 month period, the whole calendar year, January 1st to December 31st. It's now a six month period where CMS is only looking at your timeliness compliance for HIS submissions from July 1st to December 31st of 2020. And so as a result, the margin for error is, is a whole lot thinner. Um, One of the absurd kind of examples that we've used with clients to show how shrinking uh, the window of consideration uh, can work against a hospice is let's say there are 52 weeks in the year. And let's say you timely report for 51 of those weeks and you have a bad week. Well, if CMS gives you a quote unquote exemption from the 51 weeks when you complied and only looked at the one week where you failed to comply, um, then, then your numbers aren't going to look so good. And so, uh, again, that's kind of a, a, a silly example, but but it's analogous to what's happening here, where, uh, again, they've cut the look back period in half. So um, if you weren't, Super compliant from July first to December thirty first, uh, you may be receiving one of these payment reduction letters in the mail uh, or through Casper, um, despite having been in compliance over the larger twelve month period that's typically considered by CMS.
0: Yeah, so essentially, you know, you could be at ninety three percent for the calendar year, but eighty nine percent for the last six months, and then you're going to get one of these letters and. um and so so it's almost like I was so good, I continued to submit all year round and, you know, play by the rules like I didn't, you know, treated it as permissive, but hey, I have the staff, I'm going to keep doing this, and you do it, and then if For whatever reason, you had compliance difficulties, you know, in the last last six months of the year. I mean, the law of averages isn't going to help you because you just have a shrinking denominator to deal with here. So, yeah, it's very, very unfortunate. And so, so, um, but obviously a notice letter is just that a notice letter and, um, you know, you have appeal rights because I think that a 2% rate reduction is significant in this climate where a lot of people, their profit margin is minimal at best. And so if your profit margin is 4%, 6% or whatever, I mean, 2% is a lot, right? So um, you know, this is, there's a lot of money at stake here. And so you do have appeal rights and and you want to exercise those. And just like the letters are all dated the same, the appeals are are all due on the essentially the same day, right? Like, is it April or August thirteenth?
1: The the requests for reconsideration, um, which are a prerequisite to get to the provider reimbursement review board level of review, um, and certainly judicial review. Uh, but but the first step, the reconsideration request letters, are due uh, Friday, August thirteenth
0: lucky friday the 13th um so uh but i think it's just really important for folks if you if they have gotten these letters that this is the beginning of the story not the end of the story and i'm sure there are people who got this letter and they don't fall in a bucket like we're talking about here right i mean we've dealt with his um, denials in other years for different things. I mean, there's always can be some weird facts like I thought I submitted it and all of this, but like these in particular seem to be at least many of them rooted in this, this intersection with the exemption and, and so I think um, you know, appealing folks to work with council to appeal these is really critical because, like you said, it's a prerequisite. You got to keep this issue alive because if you don't appeal, then there's nothing to do to stop this 2 percent rate increase. Because I think bottom line is people aren't alone on this. And so there could be some larger advocacy on this front like Hey this isn't really what your intent was um and it was to help the community not to you know further you know penalize a community of, of folks and especially if the folks who are um getting penalized are the ones that were actually doing all the reporting for the full calendar year it just seems really really um, challenging but but um so so tell me a little bit about what these appeals need to look like I mean, they don't need to be a thirty page brief, right?
1: no, not at all um, especially at the reconsideration level um, really what's required is some identifying information about the hospice um, and then Some evidence of of compliance overall. Um, And again, during typical times, you might uh, you'd certainly include that single page Casper report. You might also include some hospice final validation reports uh, showing when HIS data was submitted and accepted uh, as evidence of timeliness. Um, In this case, again, the most important thing uh, that that and probably the most persuasive. Uh, thing that could be submitted on reconsideration would be that single-page report showing uh, ninety-plus percent uh, timeliness compliance over the course of the calendar year 2020. Um, if the, the the strongest position would probably be uh, to be able to say that over the course of the calendar year uh, you complied with the the stringent ninety percent requirement. Um, it's just if you. Uh, disregard the first half of the year and only look at the second where that number slips below below 90% and of course the closer to 90% the better.
0: Yeah, no exactly. And so I think that um you know August 13th is going to be a busy day of filing in our office, but I think very important and um my hope is that because this is impacting a number of hospices, hence this podcast, we wanted to get out the word that we're seeing this really all across the country. You know, people in every single region with every single MAC and, you know, they insist like, this is erroneous. I did all of this. As coming back full circle, every conversation we've had, Jake starts the same way. What are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense and and walking this through so so I think it's it's really important to pay attention to this that obviously uh this gets pushed up to uh folks in. The CEO and compliance, because I think oftentimes people have a department within their hospice that handles all of this, and so. But who this letter goes to, and the person who files, it may be a disconnect. And obviously, the CEO is going to want to know that my budget is going to get cut by two percent because I'm going to have two percent less in revenue. It is, uh, you know, a very significant issue that needs to be sort of risen to the top. Um, And so, and then making that phone call, finding, you know, counsel to to help you um, sort out. how to file a reconsideration because as you said, those are important documents, but a, a reconsideration also has a persuasive narrative. So, you know, this is where the lawyer skill comes in and and Jake, you do a great job with this, but I mean, right, you need to tell the story to um, connect the dots and provide the context. And so I, that's why I think, you know, this is two too, too biggest stakes to, I think, for folks to just do it alone.
1: Certainly. Um, this year has presented innumerable challenges to everyone. And um, I think, you know, what what, what we've tried to convey uh, is that the purpose of the exemption for quarter one and quarter two was to avoid burdening hospices uh, that were, you know, particularly during the, the Throws of the COVID crisis, um, with reporting requirements at least for a for a temporary period of time, and so um, you know to to relieve them of that requirement, uh, but then penalize them for having um, either availed themselves of it or not uh, seems inconsistent with the intent of the exemption that was granted by CMS, and so. Um, you know, there, there, there might be some strength in numbers here where enough providers, good providers, compliant providers, uh, providers who meet the requirements year in and year out um, are able to, to demonstrate that, um, you know, this really is a, a, an unfair and, and an unintended result. Um, and so please, please do reach out um, if you find yourself in, in that situation and having received one of those letters this month.
0: Well said, counselor. You're a real advocate. Um no, absolutely right. And I, I think that um it's a really good summation of as you say, unintended consequences. Cause I think as a as an industry we wanted this flexibility, but now obviously this isn't what we were expecting um to have happen. And and I think A lot of us were surprised at how many people continue to support or continue to submit uh HIS data even though they were not required to and it's it is i think it is those providers that are um scratching their heads with these with these letters so um well this is i think going to be really helpful for our listeners and very timely and so um don't ignore that letter because it's going to have uh, real financial consequences. Come, come the the new um, the the new year. So anyway, thanks for your time, Jake. And I look forward to. I you've been helping our hospice group a lot, so I'm sure uh, we will be talking again soon.
1: Thank you for having me on, Meg. It was a pleasure.
0: Well, that's it for today's episode of Hospice Insights, The Law and Beyond. Thank you for joining the conversation. To subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at hushblackwell.com or sign up wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, may the wind be at your back.